announcements real quick. Uh, Wednesday night is our carol service, so if you could see me or Daryl, let us know if you're planning on singing a carol. We're looking forward to that. That'll be on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Next Sunday at 11 will be our, our service. It's Christmas morning. We understand that. Uh, and a lot of times when we do a combined service, it's at 1030, but we're going to stay at 11 o'clock. There'll be no Sunday school, just a morning service at 11 and we're looking forward to celebrating the birth of our Savior on Christmas morning together. And so we're looking forward to that. So don't forget that. And then also tonight when you leave, there's a box of candy for every child here. So if you're a child, maybe you're young at heart. I don't know. But if you think you need that candy and you want to take your, maybe you've got a candy tax on your kids. That's a good thing to do. But grab a box. But let's make sure that the kids all get a box of candy and then we'll take whatever's left, and we're looking forward to that as well. Daryl, come around, lead us in a carol, and then we'll have some fun. He's 143. 143, everybody stand.
Amen. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night? Amen. The Sunday night before Christmas, uh, which is exactly one week away, so we're getting ready for that. So if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. We're going to read a few verses there. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. And we're just going to read a very few verses this morning, uh, this evening. <laughs> a very few verses this evening, and I will be brief. I know that uh, I know that Christmas is not all about presents, right? So, <laughs> as you can tell, it's not, <laughs> obviously, uh, uh, but uh, uh, but it is our annual Christmas tree night, and we always love it and enjoy it. And I have loved it the last couple of years even more than normal uh, because I am not the one standing up here calling out all the names. Michael's doing that, and the deacons are uh, getting the presents given out. And so I get to sit back there with my darling wife and just watch what goes on. <laughs> I praise the Lord for that. If you have your Bible and you found this, uh, we'll stand in a moment. I, before we stand and read, I, I, I want to... Uh, give just a little bit of introduction. Now, what I'm about to say, you have probably heard me say before, or many of you have heard me say before, uh, because uh, quite a few years ago, it's been a long time ago now, uh, probably, uh, I guess, 17, 18 years ago, uh, I used this in a Christmas sermon way back then, uh, and so you might remember this, but I, I just want you uh, to think about a song. 159 years ago... Uh, uh, a man by that we all know who he is, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, he wrote a poem. Now, let me give you the background to the poem, uh, and then it'll help a little bit. What happened here is uh, uh, this was in 1863 on Christmas Day that he wrote this poem. Uh, two years earlier in 1861, uh, his wife of 18 years, whom he dearly loved, uh, died in a fire, in a house fire, and he was crushed. He was absolutely devastated. Uh, as a matter of fact, he told a number of people that he would never get over uh, losing his wife. And his son, in 1863, at the beginning of the year, joined the Union Army without discussing it with his dad, his father, uh, and his father was uh, felt very hurt and broken that his son would go into the army without discussing it with him. Then, his, not only was his son in the army, but just prior to Christmas Day in 1863, just a couple of days before, he got news from the front that his son had been uh, grievously wounded and they weren't sure that he was going to live. And so Henry Wadsworth Longfellow sat down and he wrote this um, poem. He wrote it, and this is exactly the way he wrote it in 1863. It's not the song, it's the, it's the poem he wrote. He wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries all of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, and a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south. And with the south, and with that sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, good will to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, good will to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There's no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, good will to men. Now if you would stand with me and let's turn to Luke chapter number 2. And I happen to be in Isaiah here, so let me get over in Luke. Luke chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number uh, 8, and we'll read down through verse number 14. And it reads like this. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And here it is, where he drew the thoughts for his poem that day. For unto you is born this day, sorry, I've got, jumped the gun. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, And here it is, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Dear Lord, I pray that you might help us just for a few moments. Lord, we, we don't want to take long, so we pray that you might speak to our hearts clearly and plainly from the words of Scripture. And Lord, teach us your love and your grace and show us what Christmas is really all about. And we'll be careful to give you the praise. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. You see, I can remember using this because it was not long after 9-11. The Christmas immediately after 9-11 was unlike any other Christmas we've ever had at Nottingham. Uh, as a matter of fact, we used these very uh, illustrations in the Christmas program that year. Now I remember Delmer and Patty working so very hard, and we had the tree all decorated and patriotic in, in form. And we had the chest up on the, uh, on the platform, and we opened up the chest and got out the old books. It was, it was a great year in a way, even though we couldn't hardly get over what had just happened to our nation. Those of you old enough to remember, remember. Because I know if you're old enough to remember 9-11, I know that you will never forget it. You can't. We can all still remember right where we were when we found out about it. We remember the feelings. We remember the fear, especially when the plane went down in the field in Pennsylvania. And we... It was like we were looking all around us. I would imagine that in the Civil War in 1863, when, by the way, uh, 
Longfellow's son did survive. He, he was so severely wounded that he was no longer deployable. They wouldn't let him continue to fight in the army anymore, but he, he did survive and he lived a full life. And, and I'm sure that many people were thankful to God at that time, way back 159 years ago. I'm sure they were grateful back then, just as we were grateful when our sons came home from the war during our time. But you know, isn't it amazing? Now think about this. Think about it for a moment. 159 years ago, they were going through the same thing that we were going through in 2001 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and on through a decade of turmoil. And our our sons and our daughters adorning themselves with military garb and we all watched as they got on buses that went to an airport to take them to a country far far away so you can kind of understand why he wrote this poem it's not a very uplifting poem Especially the last verse of the poem when he wrote, And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said. Now notice this, for hate is strong. Is hate still strong even today? We, we are seeing the memories of 9-11 beginning to dim, especially with the generation that was born right after it happened because they weren't there, they can't remember it, but... There's not anybody here that hasn't seen a school shooting or a mall shooting. There's not anybody here that hasn't, hasn't wept over hearing that another church had to haul people out to go not from the funeral home to the church, but from the church to the funeral home. That's not supposed to happen. And so... We look at the turmoil in our world and we look at the, the, the hate and the violence and the, uh, and the impact that it has on all of our lives and we think, here we are at Christmas. And we're going to stand up and we've already done it a dozen times saying peace on earth, goodwill to men. How can we even do that? Well, let me tell you something. I believe... If we would go back to Luke chapter 2, and if we would look at it a little more closely, then we might understand exactly what's happening in our world, with our God, and with our hope for heaven, and with the Christ of Calvary. I really believe it's found, the, the answer's found right in the Bible. And by the way, if you're looking for the answers to life. They're found in the Bible. If you've got questions, God's got answers. Amen? The other day, my TV went berserk. You know, it's, it's internet television. Went berserk. So I was, I, I was trying, I had my iPad out and I was trying to figure out how to fix it. And I saw this thing, it popped up on the screen. You know how they'll do that, it'll just pop up. And it said, got questions about your TV, we've got answers. So I clicked on it and I paid them a dollar, one dollar. And I got answers 
but not for my TV. <laughs> I wasted my buck. I should have given it to you, Brother Jim. You could have used it more than they could have. They didn't have the answers. I had to figure it out myself. Uh, they didn't have the answers. The world doesn't have the answers, but the Word of God does. So let's take a look and see, is the answer really there? Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel. Now remember, these are the shepherds who are sore afraid, and they're going to be the first ones, other than Joseph and Mary, they're going to be the first ones to see the Savior. They're going to be the first ones to see Jesus. They're going to be the first ones to get the first tiny little taste of the new covenant and the new kingdom that Jesus is bringing. They're the first ones. So what is said to them has got to be important, don't you think? I think so. And notice what it says. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and this is what they're saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And I'm going to tell you right now, the problem is, is all we ever say is, oh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace on earth. Where is it at? Why don't we have it? We're looking all around. Why don't we? We're looking for that peace that God promised, and we don't see it anywhere. Why is it that he told us we were going to have peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and now here we are 2,000 years later, and we still ain't got it? I'll tell you exactly why we still ain't got it. We still ain't got it because we've ignored the first part of verse number 14. Notice what he says. They were, and they said this, glory to God in the highest. And then he uses of the conjunction and, which means that what, what follows it is of equal weight of what precedes it. So all of the words of verse 14 are of an equal importance. And notice what he says. Glory to God on the, in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Our world is not glorifying God in the highest. We, we, we want the blessing, but we don't want the responsibility. We want God to do for us, but we can't even do the least for God. Glory to God in the highest. How hard is it to worship the Lord? Have you ever really worshipped been around here very much chances are you have worship's not hard worship doesn't hurt yeah, praise is not difficult lifting up the savior and talking about his wonder and his majesty coming into his presence and experiencing the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and giving him the glory that is the easiest thing a Christian will ever do it's it just flows as natural as water from the faucet, or better yet, water from the stream. It's as natural as it can be, and yet that's what we have to have if we're going to have peace on earth, goodwill to men. I'm in my 29th year as pastor at Nottingham Missionary Baptist Church, and in the 29 years that I've been here as a church, we have had prevailing peace. While they're arguing in Washington, yelling at each other and 
using foul language to describe the other side of the aisle, engaged in all kind of uh, corruption and filthiness and always trying to get another rung on the ladder and they're beating each other over the head uh, with, uh, with their thoughts and their ideas and all that's going on. All those many years it's been going on in the political realms of our world. But we've had peace here. You know why we have peace here? Because every Sunday morning we get together and glorify God in the highest. When we stop doing that, we'll stop having peace and goodwill toward men. As long as we keep praising Him. You think it's important that we let the Holy Spirit move free in the service when people are coming down the aisle and thinking, Oh, preacher, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you ought to slow this down. Are you kidding? If you don't think that's important, then you don't know what real peace is. You don't know what real joy is. You don't know what harmony is with the Holy Spirit of God. Because without glorifying God in the highest, there will be no peace and goodwill toward men. And so here we can have it while the rest of the world seems to be struggling with it. I've been in a lot of churches that do have it. We're not the only ones. Sometimes it feels like we're the only ones. But we're not. There's many churches that have it. But I tell you, we don't have it politically we don't have it socially. We don't have it culturally. But he said peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I think he meant peace over all the earth. Because one day Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to sit on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem. And when he sits down on that throne to rule this world, then we'll be glorifying God in the highest all over the planet. And when we start glorifying God all over the planet, then all of a sudden there'll be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. No, no, this is not an empty promise. This is not a false promise. This is not a make-believe promise. Not even for Longfellow. Sometime after he wrote the poem, he added another verse to his poem, and it became a major part of the song that we now sing. Other parts of the poem were left out, but not this. This was added in. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. This is what Wadsworth said. He said, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And I'm telling you, these last few words are truer than you can imagine. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. You say, oh, preacher, I've been wronged. Don't worry. Jesus will make it right when he gets here. Oh, preacher, the Christians are being treated so badly in this country and many other countries. I know it's a, it's, it's a terrible shame, but when Jesus gets here, he's going to make it all right. There won't be any more wrongs done to God's people when Jesus comes. The wrong's going to fail, folks. The right's going to prevail. And Jesus is going to bring peace on earth, goodwill to men over the whole planet. In the meantime, he wants you to have peace in your heart. That's why Paul called it the peace that passeth understanding. Because in the world in which we live, it doesn't make sense for us to have peace. But we do. We do. The world can't figure it out. There's no peace anywhere else. 
Why is there peace in the heart of the Christian? Why is there peace in the life of a thriving church? Because they're glorifying God in the highest. And he's honoring his word. If you don't have peace in your heart today, if you have no goodwill toward men, then maybe you're not praising God. Maybe you don't even know him through the person of his son. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to bring the word tonight. Oh, Lord, this Christmas season, may we read those words over and over again. Lord, may we claim them as a promise that cannot be broken, that if we'll glorify you, you'll give us peace. I think of Paul and Silas there in the, in the prison, praising God in the highest with stripes on their back and bound up in, in, in stocks and yet still they were singing the praise of God and the peace that the, the prisoners and the jailers could not understand they had in their soul because they never stopped praising the Lord. Oh, dear God of heaven, give us such hearts of praise. Give us such lips to glorify you and lift up your name. Oh, dear God of heaven, speak to us this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. Sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him. His dying breath has brought me 